You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. Then there's the Mind Robbers Versus, where we uh, we pick a show we love. We co- cover it episodically. Uh, currently, we're uh, talking about Justice League Unlimited, and then pretty soon we'll be we'll be switching gears to Veronica Mars. That's also where you can find our in-depth movie reviews for uh, new releases. Uh, we just did Thor: The Dark World, and we're going to be doing The Hunger Games: Catching Fire um, later this week. And then. Uh, then there's our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we basically uh, talk about whatever we feel like. Um, if you like our shows, please review them on iTunes. helps us out. But if you have questions, comments, or concerns, email those to us, podcast at mindrobber.net. And if you want to start a discussion, find the post of this episode and leave a comment. Um, and then most importantly, tell all your friends that they should be listening to us jabber on and on about Doctor Who because it's the best way to celebrate the 50th anniversary um we're we are daily this week uh with episodes yesterday you heard us talk about uh the fifth doctor uh, big finish story and we announced that we were going to um shift gears from the originally planned seeds of doom um and uh we're actually going to be talking about the brain of morbius instead as our fourth doctor story for reasons that have to do with the night of the doctor which we will be covering on the other side of uh the brain of morbius so um just on the other side of the of the sponsor spot um after we talk about brain of morbius so uh make sure that you stay to the end so you can hear our thoughts on that um but first the brain of morbius um What's the background and significance for this? Because obviously uh, we kind of screwed up the schedule a little bit with the whole writer thing by going with this. Yes. Um, but I think it's important that we covered it. So uh, yeah. we made we made the exception. So so what's what's the background and significance for Brain of Morbius? And I know it's uh, there's a lot because it, it's really interesting. <laughs> there's, actually, there's a, there's a lot. Um, Brain of Morbius. This is one of the latter stories of season 13, which is – uh, as many will point out, the gothic season. Every story in this season is more or less a play or riff on a different sort of classic horror movie. Pyramids of Mars is a mummy story. Seeds of Doom is a is a base is based on like Day of the Triffid, so it's about like plants and Planet of Evil is uh, uh, what's the one? Um, Jekyll and Hyde. This is Frankenstein. Um, this is a story that uh, Robert Holmes ca- kind of was looking to do all these homage stories and he went to Terrence Dix um, because uh, Hinchcliffe had wanted to do something that explored uh, the politics of like robotics and like Isaac Asimov's version of robotics and how that works. Um, That would eventually become Robots of Death, which we already talked about, which is in the next season. Um, But because Terrence Dix had written uh, a robot, um, he wanted them to do another robot story. So Terrence Dix, who has been who had been a Doctor Who writer for uh, basically years and years before this, um, he was the guy who script edited the entire Pert We Want Pert We Run. He also co-wrote the War Games, so is kind of one of the creators of the Time Lords. Um, Terrence Dix was asked to write this story, and the story was going to be about this robot that creates a person. Um, and would have like this warped sense of like what it looks like, what a person looks like, and it was going to be a, a Frankenstein homage. Um, and, and it should be noted, it should be noted too that it was a really cool idea. Oh, like yeah, watching the watching the documentary that's on the on the uh, on the DVD, I was um, I was like really impressed by the the uh, storyboards and stuff. And obviously, it was the episode itself would never have looked as epic as those storyboards did. <laughs> um, 
Because it was like this wide expanse and 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 everything. It was very Wally like. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was it was a really cool idea. Just like the idea of this guy who created this robot, the scientist that that created this robot, um, who was Morbius and was always supposed to be Morbius, this this evil Time Lord. Um, he uh, he he like dies in an accident, and the robot is able to save his brain. And so then he creates a human out of like spare parts of, of like by, by, by a lot spare biological parts to make this Frankenstein creature. Um, and then they put, he puts Morbius's brain in it. And it's just the idea of like, like you said, just like what, what is a robot's idea of what a human is supposed to look like or a humanoid creature. Um, and I, it was just, it was really, really interesting from like a sci-fi standpoint, but not so much from a horror standpoint, which is what uh, Holmes was interested in. Mm-hmm. And is the difference between Terrence Dix and Robert Holmes where Dix is more interested in the sci-fi. Um, right. And interesting, like I, the, the reason why this actually does work is one, because it is a Robert Holmes story, but also because it is a Dix story. Dix was the one who kind of outlined it. So... We can write this off in terms of our countdown as oh, it was a Dick story because uh, Terrence right. Dix is really important. Um, but so, it's also it's also a pseudonym, which is yes, a huge Doctor Who thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what happens is Dix writes this script, um, and Holmes gets the scripts, and he's just like, "What the? This is not as good as I wanted it to be." Um, and Dix uh, before. Holmes can read and it. And they goes, didn't know how to build the robot. Yeah, they didn't know how to build the robot, and, and it wasn't nearly as horror as Holmes wanted it to be, and Dix had basically gone on vacation um, and would not be available to rewrite. So Holmes Holmes just goes, Ugh, I'll just rewrite the whole thing. So it does a page one rewrite, <laughs> um, keeping the same sort of inherent structure, and then adding, instead of a robot, he makes it um, a, a character named Salon and uh, gives him a, a henchman named Kondo in the vein of uh, Dr. Frankenstein and Igor from the classic Universal Frankenstein movies. Um, Igor. Hmm? Oh, Igor. I, Igor. Sorry, yeah. whatever. I, I, Igor is young Frankenstein. Too, too much young Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> and uh, turns in this story. Um, and it is one of those stories that... Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it, but it's it's ridiculously iconic. Um it's directed by Christopher Barry, who had previously directed a whole bunch of Doctor Who, uh, not the least of which is The Rescue, The Romans, Power of the Daleks, The Demons, um, The Mutants, which the less said about that, the better, uh, and Robot. Um, and they brought him back because of Robot, because they were like, oh, this will be a great follow-up for Robot, where Terrence Dix, who wrote Robot, and Christopher Barry, who directed Robot, should do Brain of Morbius. Um, <laughs> and it didn't really quite work out that way. Um but uh, that's kind of where this whole story comes from, and it's kind of nuts. And and the best part of the story is, of course, when Holmes rewrites the whole thing, like just the whole thing. And Dix like understands why Holmes rewrote it, but Dix just goes, "You should take my name off of this because I don't want you. Uh, this is not my story. Like this is just not my story, and I don't feel right putting my name on it. So you should put like a pseudonym, put like a bland pseudonym. So Robert Holmes just pens it Robin Bland just to be like a dick." <laughs> that's and that's kind of like where it goes and then uh and it's it's also like a time lord story about this thing there's also another thing that i should mention in here this story introduces a crazy idea that hartnell is not the first doctor and we will get to that as we talk more um because mm-hmm. of things that happen in the episode um so yeah yeah, indeed. Uh, before we do, though, I want to remind you that uh, this episode and all episodes are sponsored by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and then regular discounts of 40% off. And you can choose to ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like. And you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Um, okay, so the brain of Morbius, uh, I'd actually seen this one before, um, because you had told me what it was about, and we had originally, this wasn't due, uh, to come up in our rotation until 2015, so you were like, yeah, watch it now, and then we'll, you know, two years ago, you'll definitely want to watch it again. Um, and, 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 uh, it's, it's, so bumping it up, like I hadn't, I just watched this, I mean, 
not that long ago. What was it? Nine months ago? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, what was impressive to me was knowing what was happening, like knowing the whole story and then like going and watching it this time. Like I really loved it the first time, but like I loved it this time. Um, just like every little, every little bit. Um, I just love because it's it's funny because the first time that you watch um, some of these classic Who stories, you are just sort of waiting for the Doctor to show up in every episode, um, and and he doesn't show up for for a while in this one. Um, same thing could be said about the story that we're talking about tomorrow, um, but it, it takes a while, and so you, uh, I remember being a little impatient the first time. Um, but this time, like, because I just loved everything that was going on, like, I didn't even care. Uh, and it was it was just oh, so good. So good. Um, the sets are gorgeous. Uh, the, the, the effects makeup is, like, you know, as good as it gets on Doctor Who, I think, um, on Classic Who. I really like it. I just like the ridiculousness of the Morbius body um, with, the, with the little horn things. Like, they kind, it kind of looks like a Muppet. Um, <laughs> it so does. Yeah, and I just I love it. Um, it's it's oh, it's so good. It looks like it should have a bit on Sesame Street or something. Um, oh, it's so so great. And there's uh, there's just like a lot of really great moments uh, in this. Um, just a lot of like great like just pure Doctor Who moments um, and and pure like just Doctor moments. Um, like the idea of just of, of him talking about. Uh, oh, you've got such a nice head. And he's like, oh, yeah, thank you. I used to have a, a gray model before this one. <laughs> Some people liked it. And Sarah Jane's just like, I did. <laughs> Which is just basically like <laughs> this is Sarah Jane just being like, I really hate this new guy. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> Which just <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, and uh, I I don't know. Like, there's just, there's a lot of great stuff here. Uh, uh, Tom Baker, like, taking a peek behind that curtain and seeing the headless monster like thriving around and just being like whoa okay and then just shutting the curtain and going about his business um i don't know just there's there's a lot of really great stuff here um and then also that that bizarre theory um that bizarre like 12th doctor theory um that's super bizarre that i don't watching it this time with that in mind and i watched the scene like three times I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to it. Um, and I know that that's what they were trying to do, but like, I can kind of talk my way out of that theory, um, about what was going on there in mm-hmm. that scene, but we'll, 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 we'll get, cause I, I think that those could be Morbius's faces. Um, oh, sure. No. Yeah. Purposefully amb- ambiguous, amb- ambiguous. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Igor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, more bias, yeah, yeah. yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I love this. I love this to pieces, and I think that, um, I think that, I like. I'm really trying to think of a uh, Robert Holmes era story that I like more than this. Um, I mean, I can think of ones that are better, but I don't know if I can think of ones that that I like more. Um, there's just so much cool stuff in this. Mm. Um, and that's to say nothing of the sisterhood, which they're just so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I, and I love them for being like, that's just the sisterhood in this story is just the best overacting by people who have no idea what they're doing. I think in all of Dr. Who, (laughs) like (laughs) when they're doing their dances, like you can tell that it's not really choreographed. Like, the, like they're just saying like just be be weird i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then they they all they all talk with like their arms crossed in front of their chest and their hands like straight out like just straight out like boards um and it's it's just the weirdest thing it's just so weird um but in in just like a in just a pure like oh this was the 70s and this is what they thought was a weird thing to do back then um and it was just, it's just, it's, it's great. It's just so great. I, I love every bit of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I had the same reaction where the first time I watched this, I really, 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 really liked it. And then mm-hmm. when I watched it for the blog, I was just like, 
Jesus, this story's good. Like, yeah. it's so good. And then I checked because I was watching it, and I was maybe, like this time, I was watching it, and I was maybe six minutes in. Six minutes. I think the doctor had just shown up or something. Because they did the scene with um, Kondo and Salon at the beginning where uh, 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 Kondo brings back the mutant head. Right. And the grave robbing scene. Yeah, the grave robbing scene. And... Yeah. Um, I remember just being like, man, where did I put this on my ranking? And like on Classical Gallery, I do have like top 20 classic, which isn't super duper updated, but it's updated as of when I kind of stopped doing the blog. Um, and I can just go through anytime and change it. But I checked just to see like, where did I put this in the overall scheme of things? And I didn't realize that I put this at number five. Um, so like, this is a top five story for me. And honestly, thinking about it, like the only Tom Baker story that actually beats it is Talon's. And as much as I love Talons, I think this beats it. Like, I think that yep. this is my favorite Tom Baker story. Um, yep. And one of the greatest Doctor Who stories that's ever been put on film. Yep. Like, just... Le- I, 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 I 100%... Or on video. Yeah, whatever. on video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, the only reason I make that joke is because of next week's episode. Or next, tomorrow's episode. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, um, but uh, because because if this had been if this had been shot on film, whoo, yeah, this on Blu-ray, oh man, yeah, um, and but uh, but 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 yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. Like, I can't think of a, I really can't think of a, of a Tom Baker story that I like more than this. Yeah, no, and um, and it is just the best. There's nothing that, and it, it it's a and it's a lot of things. Like, it I can't just point to one thing and say that this is the best thing because. There are no bad things in the story. Um, other things like Seeds of Doom, which we were supposed to talk about. Seeds of Doom is a great story, but the problem is at the end of the day, like I'm still little, like kind of like mm, the Doctor's kind of. At one point, the Doctor snaps someone's neck, and it's weird. Um, and it's like I don't understand why we're doing this. Um, but this story, like this story, works on every level. And when I think about it, when I look at it, when I think about like I don't know, I feel like when I was a child. Um, I must have seen like some classic, like the shot of the chance of me not seeing classic who while channel surfing when I was a kid is so big that I have to, I have to assume that I saw some of it and I'm pretty sure I saw some of this, or at least if I don't, I feel like this is a story that the first time you watch it, it feels familiar because the language with which Christopher Barry shoots the story, the language with which the story moves and the language with which it's designed all feel completely classic to me in the way that like when i think of how the classic series is supposed to look this is how the classic series looks to me just because it is a triumph of design in terms of surely the sets um more than anything i think that the mise-en-scene of what is on this like what what is going on in the frame at any given moment is deliciously iconic the lighting the coloring the, the way that these sets look just feels perfect to me and i think that that's a large reason for why i like it but also like watching this man like watching this i was just i just had this feeling where it's like when i show my kids doctor who i've been thinking about how to do it and what you kind of what i want to do is i like i want to show each kid i want to show the kid like starting at like maybe six show them one doctor who story a week like on sunday nights or something you sit the kid down and you watch just one story. And, like, you just randomly pick a story from any doctor, partially because I want to see how long it takes for the kid to realize that all of this is the same show. Um, but also, <laughs> and that all these guys are the same guy. But also, um, just just to, like, kind of introduce them to a bunch of different things at once so that they're not just spoiled with the flashy. And this is one of those stories that I legitimately can't wait to show to my kid. I think more than any story that is out there. Um, just because... I think that this is the sort of story that you just see when you're young and just gets burned into your head because of Kondo having a hook, because of the Sisters of the Flame being warm and red and orange, and because of Morbius' just delicious design. I think that this is a story that I don't think gets nearly enough praise, and I know that this is a story that is highly, highly regarded, but that anyone can consider... Like even seeds of doom better than this is wrong. Like it's just I'm sorry, you're wrong. Like this is this is everything that you could want from this era. This is everything that you want from Holmes. This is everything that you want from Tom Baker. Um, and it's everything that you could kind of want from a Doctor Who story. It is unbelievably flawless. And 
Robots of Death is flawless, but the difference is that Robots of Death is just quite good, whereas this is trying to do something and wildly succeeding on every level. Um, and it is mm-hmm. shockingly ambitious, despite the fact that it's entirely studio bound. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just blown away. Like I just I watch this and I'm just like blown away by how unbelievably perfect it is. Um, and if you haven't seen it, like if you just listen to the show and you don't watch it, this is one of those stories that I I want to tell you to save, but it is so worth every second you wait to see it so long as you do actually see it. Um, so unbelievably good. Um, unbelievably, unbelievably good. Absolutely. Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, so what I love and I'll just say this, um, I love the cliffhangers in this, um, because like they're kind of, traditional cliffhangers in that you know two of them involve sarah jane being menaced by the creature and the then the one in the middle involves just a brain in a jar and the reveal of morbius as a thing but what i love about it did you notice this the first cliffhanger is about the body of morbius the second one is about the brain of morbius and the third one is about the brain being in the body of morbius like that's that's crazy like that's so ridiculously elegant and i think that thesis antithesis synthesis yeah yeah (laughs) just like in like the best of ways and yeah it's oh it's it's fascinating to look at how it's working on even like structural cliffhanger levels and 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 it just it just goes in so many cool places (laughs) so funny though in the pictures of uh of the of the head on 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 the Morbius body um, in like the pictures that you see like on the Wikipedia page and stuff they're always like blurry um, because they don't bother you know using good uh, good screen caps <laughs> um, and it really just looks like a turkey platter on top of a neck <laughs> and it makes me laugh uh. <laughs> And it's like, oh, and it's such a good, like, and it is, it is funny because it does look totally ridiculous, but like when he shows up, like when he shows up for the first time as like the menacing dude, you're just like, that's messed up. Like that's messed up. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's scary because like when you look at that head, like you can see the brain, but you also kind of don't know what you're looking at. Like those horn things that make him look like a Muppet are eyes, but they're the weirdest eyes I think I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) <laughs> because it's a, it's a different way of doing eyes. Um, and that design, man, like that design is so perfect. Like it is, and it's ridiculously iconic. Like you look at it and it's just like, if I could get, if I were buying Doctor Who action figures, if I didn't have a Morpheus Morbius action figure, I would consider my collection a complete failure. Like mm-hmm. just cause, just cause it looks, it looks so good. Um, and I mean, that's the thing is like I also this is also the story that I love because it reminds me that Robert Holmes is a massive fanboy. Um Holmes as a guy who wants to see a Frankenstein story writes a story in which in the fourth episode you have Frankenstein turned into a crazy raving lunatic monster who goes out and slaughters a witch um uh, or one of the sisters um who you know is your traditional virgin so he walks off into the wilderness and just starts killing people as you would expect frankenstein to do and then he becomes like the mary shelley frankenstein monster where the <laughs> the monster uh can talk and is very rational and is just like i just look ugly like that's the <laughs> that's the mary shelley version <laughs> of frankenstein and like so the first half of your last episode is like the menacing frankenstein that you kind of would expect and then the last half is like Frankenstein that he wants and then at the end of the story the witches all drive him out of town because they're the townsfolk with pitchfork the the townsfolk with pitchforks and torches like, <laughs> and it's just like it's just like this guy just loves that like this guy just this guy just loves that and it's amazing oh yeah um and Ugh. yeah oh I know I know I'm just like I'm just like let's bounce to random it's so good it's 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 so good yeah it is and and it's like uh, Okay, I love Philip Maddock. Like, I love him. He was in uh, The Crotons, which you talked about a, a, a little bit ago. And he was in, uh, what was what was that other story? He was in, oh, Power of Crawl. Yeah, we've talked about, like, two Philip Maddock stories this year. And this is his third mm-hmm. one. Um, I forget what the other, oh, and the other one he's in is The War Games. He's the, he's the warlord in The War Games. Um, but this is my favorite philip maddock and that's not that should not be a surprise because he just takes the character of solon and just 
runs with it. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing better than him coming to the witches and just gross begging for the doctor's head where he's just like, please, I just I need that and it's not much farther off from what I just did. Like he's just like panicking that he won't get ahead. Like it's just it's just like that's not that's not probably what you should be doing. Like act like a grown man. Like so <laughs> That being said, I would love to see the alternate universe where they where they uh, where they offered this role to Vincent Price or um, what was the other one? Uh, Peter Cushing. Like <laughs> those are the two people that they were thinking about offering this role to, and then they ended up going with him instead. Um, and I'm just like, man, to live in the alternate universe where Brain of Morbius has Vincent Price, like. <laughs> I can't even imagine. No, I I, uh. I can't I can't imagine either. Just because, but like this, and that's the thing is like this whole era is so spoiled for choice in terms of like guest actors, and that's not just I mean it and it and it is Philip Maddock too. But I love Michael Spice in this. Michael Spice being the voice of Morbius and um, uh, the Holmes era is constantly trying to get these people because because Holmes villains are. Uh, disfigured, they tend to have be very reliant on voices. You look at something like the Time Warrior is a great example of that, where the Centauran has to be um, uh, has to have a really good voice because he can't act under the face makeup. And this just continues that tradition where you have Genesis of the Daleks has Davros and Pyramids of Mars has Sutek, and then going forward you have the Master in Deadly Assassin and uh, Magnus Greel in Talons of Wang Chiang. Um, and Mike, and they get Michael Spice for this. Um, and Michael Spice actually does go on to be Magnus Creel in Talons of Wang Chiang. But I love, like, there's nothing like a good strong voice. And I feel that that's not just something that's missing in Doctor Who, but something in, in general where you need someone who has, like, a really magnetic voice to capture the feel of, of the terror and the strength of, like, this thing that is horrific and can't have facial emotions. Morbius, when he's in the body, doesn't get to make faces, so you have to kind of go with this gargling, delicious voice that Michael Spice goes with. And I love that. I think that that's like a really great thing that also makes this era very old school, because that's not something that's actually valued now as much as it was back then, because they're still in the era of radio. Um, And I don't know. I like it. It just adds wonderful texture, and, and in a way that is wildly appreciated by me. It doesn't go like unnoticed, I suppose. Um, just because, I mean, it's important. Like a good, strong villain voice is iconic and important. You remember those voices. You don't need like, you know, Hans Gruber is great not just because he's Alan Rickman, but also because Alan Rickman has a delicious voice. Um, and that's, I mean, that's important. And I think that. I don't know. The Davies era is as guilty about it as as anyone else, but you need a you, as, as the Moffat era. But like, I don't know. Someone, someone do a story like this where we can have just like a great voice actor be a great villain um, in a bodysuit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I. Uh, it's it's great. Um, let's let's talk about this uh, about this uh, theory. <laughs> um, that this episode uh, perpetuates. Yeah. Um, um, this is a theory. It's not mine. Uh, this comes from Philip Sandifer, who does a really great write-up on this story, by the way, if you're interested. Um, he's at philipsandifer.com. He does TARDIS Rudatorum. That's the thing that he does. Um, he threw off casually <laughs> this idea that the, this story, there's a point where... where <laughs> Where uh, the Doctor and Morbius basically mud mind wrestle, where they <laughs> they link minds and then willpower each other, kind of in like a wrestling match. And in it, you s- yeah. psychically and the Doctor in this, you see Tom Baker, and then you see an image of John Pertwee, and then Patrick Troughton, and then William Hartnell, and then there's a, okay, there's you're, there's a screen in between them, and so you're seeing the uh, the visual like the visual of what their minds are fighting over. And for some reason they're fighting over because the story is all about bodies and minds. Like they're they're You're seeing a bunch of regenerations, like all the bodies that the doctors yeah. had. And, Go and on. it's, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's really a great sort of, um, 
uh, thing that's going on because it's like the doctor has to um, has to has to fight Morbius and he's doing it by calling back all of his past lives and past regenerations like that's the idea and you look at um, uh, this story and sorry I'm trying to find the exact quote from uh, from 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 Morbius but he said uh, he says he says uh, they go to Hartnell and then Morbius says how far doctor how far have you lived and then all of a sudden you get eight images from other doctors like or people who it is assumed to be are these classic um, uh, or these doctors who predate William Hartnell. Like, that's the implication of this story. And uh, fascinating, because that would make Tom Baker the 12th doctor, because there's eight doctors that go in here. And uh, it's very, it was very controversial at the time. It's still very controversial. And, like, you could argue that it is Morbius's past incarnations, but let's just go down the the thought experiment and say, hey, maybe it, maybe it wasn't. Um, what you have is you have all of these faces and <laughs> the faces are, uh, different people who worked on the story, including Robert Holmes and Philip Hinchcliffe, Douglas Camfield, who was in, like, who was helping out, um, and would direct the next story. Robert Banks Stewart, who was writing the next story. Um, uh, Graham Harper, who was an assistant, Christopher Berry, who's the director. So all these people are now doctors. Congratulations. That would make Tom Baker the 12th doctor. Um, and this comes one year before Robert Holmes writes Deadly Assassin, where Deadly Assassin is the story that says that there can only be 13 um, because you can only do 12 regenerations. So the idea is that whoever comes after Tom Baker is the last doctor, which would make Peter Davison the 13th doctor. Um, this, of course, was retconned in five doctors where the doctor specifically said um uh, i'm the fifth doctor to the first doctor when he meets the first doctor for the first time um but that also means that peter davison is the last doctor and that he would have to undergo this completely insane regeneration to get through that limit <laughs> that means that case rangerzani has to somehow overpower um this limit and what ends up happening is you could make the argument that Caves of Rangerzani is actually a multi-doctor crossover because Caves of Rangerzani is written by Robert Holmes who based on the canon of this story is a previous is a doc, is a pre-Hartnell doctor and Graham Harper who's a pre-Hartnell doctor who directed Caves of Rangerzani how Robert Holmes and Graham Harper transcended the narrative of Doctor Who to multi-doctor crossover help out Peter Davison overcome the 13 regeneration limit and turn into Colin Baker, which is just the craziest theory I think I've ever heard. Um, and I don't not subscribe to it. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I think it's an interesting theory. I think it goes a little, I think it goes a little too meta, um, in a, in a way that doesn't really work for me, but, um, I, and I, I think it's an interesting theory and I like the idea of, Caves of Andrew Zani, like sort of being the last Doctor Who story in a weird way, um, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Like I I think I think that your view and and Philip Sanford's view of that scene about the the ramifications of that scene um, differ from mine, which is like when he says that like. You're, you are seeing it as the doctor is calling upon his past, uh, lives to help him beat Morbius. And I saw it as the opposite of that. I saw it as Morbius is beating him back. Um, and so he's going backwards almost like he's, like he's bending his thumb back and like a thumb wrestling thing. Um, that's how I saw it. And so when he says, mm -hmm. how far does your, your, how far do you go back? I actually saw that as him bragging, like comparing him to himself. And then you he says, he says like, how far do you go back? And he's like, cause I go back like nine people or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and so then you see him and all of his lives. Um, yeah, but pl I mean plus I don't subscribe to the doctor with a beard. 
because it's never happened before. <laughs> well, okay. Here's the crazy thing about this. I can actually you can actually reckon, reconcile those two things, not easily, but. Uh, how about how about this? Because I don't think that that's actually a wrong interpretation. Like I don't, I don't, I could subscribe to that easily. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, if I could, I could easily say, yeah, no, that's the thing. Because I don't think it's wrong. I really don't. Because um, it is very ambiguous. Right. Um, what I think you can actually get away with and do is, in the name of the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I pulled the name of the doctor. Um. <laughs> Well, after There's after rewatching pl- Wedding of River Song, you have a new love for that episode. <laughs> I do have a new love for that episode. Um, <laughs> in the name of the doctor, the doctor says, um, "This is the guy who didn't, who wasn't worthy of carrying my name." Um, and I, I, we don't know who this guy is. We don't know who John Hurt is. We're going to find out in a couple days. Um, but that's the implication. Right. And what I find interesting about that is that. The Doctor can still only be the Doctor that he is, so long as characters who were part of himself don't name them as such. So, you could make the argument, and I would probably go with this argument, in terms of like reconciling all this, um, where William Hartnell is the first Doctor, because before he was William Hartnell... Um, the doctor wasn't the doctor. He was whatever his name was on Gallifrey. Right. And when he leaves, he becomes the doctor. So, like, he becomes the first doctor, but he's the ninth incarnation of this guy. Um, so then you're actually, I like, I split both ways. Because, like, I would just say that, like, all of those eight people, all of those eight that are pre-Hartnell... I would argue that they're 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 this guy, but they're not the doctor. Mm. Um, in the way that like John Hurt might or might not be the doctor. Um, and I just think that like that's kind of how I come down on it, where I can I can actually rationalize away without renumbering that thing. Yeah, I, it's sketchy. Like it's sketchy, but it's made up. But it's like the fun thought experiment that sometimes we'll do on this show. Like who cares? Yay. Um. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. What what do you think of that? that it, no, I, does I, that, I, that work? works for me. Um, that works for me generally. It still doesn't help the 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 weird meta idea of caves <laughs> um, that I I can't I just can't get behind. It's too weird. Um, oh, it's nuts! But it's the it's the thing where it's just like oh, that makes that story ridiculous. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> um, but I do I I um it does it does it does make sense because I feel like. I feel like uh, each doctor's regeneration was sort of getting perpetually worse, and then and then like the sixth doctor was the worst um, by a mile. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, I I, uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting of like just the idea of like slowly dying. Um, plus, there's the whole I I love the idea that Moffat goes back to to Karn for Night of the Doctor, an episode where he he retcons the idea of regenerations. Yes. Um, yes. It's like so perfect and I can't imagine it was an accident. Um No, there's no way it was an accident. Yeah. Like there's no way. But um, I also like the the uh I like the idea of what the Night of the Doctor suggests with regenerations, which is that after he took this elixir thing that's what causes the new kind of regeneration um of mm-hmm. the new series the, gl- the the glowy regeneration the energy fountain yeah the yeah. energy fountain um and i think that that's interesting and also uh tells me that the master had visited karn which i like that idea mm-hmm. because it's yeah. totally a thing that the master would do yeah um, and it yeah, and it's and it's interesting. I mean, we're going to talk about Night of the Doctor in a minute, but it's interesting how it is just the sort of thing where it's like, Karn is a rich world. I'm shocked that there's not more Morbius stories. Honestly, I'm shocked there's not more. Because um, Dix went back and did a Morbius story uh, for the novels that was called The Warmonger, which is the craziest novel I've ever heard. Um, that's the one. That's the one where the Doctor leads an army of, like, Dalek, Cybermen, Silurian, Sontarans against Morbius. Um, if you remember that one, oh but because we talked about it, but um, uh, like there's that, and then Big Finish did a great Morbius story um, called Sisters of the Flame and Vengeance of Morbius, which is an Eight Doctor Lucy story, which I love. Um, and but it's weird that it hasn't been mined more because it is this thing that opens up so much narrative possibility. Um, this is a story that actually really intensely 
magnifies how the Time Lords appear in the series. More, like, not as much as Deadly, but definitely in a way that is noticeable. Um, this is a story that says that there was a Time Lord rogue named Morbius, and he was taken down by a bunch of people. And here are these sisters who are the guardians of this thing, and he's kind of locked in a prison. And I love the idea of a former Time Lord warrior guy who was in exile. Like, that's a great premise and and it's just so interesting and i love that the time lords are here there's this idea recurring in robert holmes where the time lords are constantly taking the doctor off to a place um to do a mission they do it in genesis of the daleks um they they the time lords appear in terror of the autons and i love that like this is a story that really perpetuates that vision where you have the doctor as this um this guy who's just being a puppet for these people who don't want to interfere. And by putting him in the place, they aren't interfering, but they are kind of shaping the universe to their will, however obliquely. Like, it's a great vision of the Time Lords. Um, and it's a great way to explore that and do that. And I love that the Doctor's just like, I'm not doing this for you guys. I'm just not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it does it in a way that isn't overbearing it doesn't it doesn't do it in a way that like ruins the mythology which would be so easy to do um and in a way that is navel gazy and i love that it's just man this season robert holmes hinchcliffe seasons like the more the more i just think about it and explore it the more i'm like man what a great time to be a doctor who fan like those three years of this show great year like great time uh great time um um, okay, so going back to the first thing that you said. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> before you just runaway trained that conversation to a whole other direction. Um, I think the reason why they haven't ever done another Morbius story, or at least in, in live action, um, is because for whatever reason, it seemed that people, people when I say people, I mean creators, the, the producers and writers, were more inter- interested in uh, Omega um, as mm. like... Uh, like uh, like they they liked Omega and they liked the Master and then they were like well that's enough <laughs> Time Lords I guess because um, mm-hmm. I I mean I, I I guess the the idea is just like anything that we can say we can say with those two characters so like why not just bring them back instead of Morbius or creating a new one is what mm-hmm. it's it seems to be what the deal is um but it's unfortunate yeah. because i think that morbius is vastly superior to uh, omega and and to a lot of uh the uh interpretations of the master um yes so uh, it's it's unfortunate i i really like morbius um mm-hmm. and i think that he is a character that i would be really interested in um them revisiting on new who at some point yes because you can easily get away with saying he wasn't part of the time war because well look at him he's a brain (laughs) (laughs) he's a brain in a jar which god the iconography on that like oh yeah that reveal at the end of episode two is just genius like one of the best shots in the whole series as far as i'm concerned just amazing and I, i like the idea that um Inside, inside uh, the doctor's skull, his brain glows like that when he talks. <laughs> that's, that's pardon the pun. That's my head cannon. Um, that's totally my head cannon. Uh, just like Daleks. Um, I just, I love that. I love that idea of just like that old school sci-fi idea where something lights up as they talk, like <laughs> matching the syllables of their speech. It just yeah. makes me laugh. Nothing, nothing better than that. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, Night of the Doctor. Um, but before we do, want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition at thirty-five to forty-five percent off. New release specials at fifty percent off every week. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. So the Night of the Doctor is the. Uh, the prologue to uh, the day of the doctor. Um, it is the uh, introduction of the war doctor, um, which is what they're calling him in the credits. Uh, John Hurt, the war doctor, the Hurt insert. Um, and this is basically explaining the continuity behind 
John Hurt. Um, that's the whole reason for this. On top of the fact that it is now, we now have two appearances of the Eighth Doctor in live action, um, which is Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> that's it's the kind of thing where when I I watch this, um, and because I'm on the East Coast, I get up I get up two to three hours earlier than Matt typically. Um, and so I got up and saw that this was up and I was like, Oh, I was like, I'll watch it later. And I was like, eh, I'll watch it now. Well, let's just see what it is. Um, and so I watched it, not really thinking much of it just because it's like, it's like we had talked about Matt and I had talked about like, wouldn't it be cool if they showed the eighth doctor's regeneration? Um, because the idea that John Hurt was a, uh, an insert an inserted doctor um, between the eighth and ninth regenerations um, was something that we had heard. We'd heard that theory. So we were like, wouldn't it be cool if they showed that regeneration, like to open the episode or something like that, that 50th. Um, but we never actually thought that that would be a thing because Moffat seems so opposed to the old doctors um, or at least out loud. All he talks about is how, how stupid an idea it is to have multiple doctors in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like someone's overcompensating. I digress. Right. right. Um, so, uh, so I never thought that this would be a thing. So mm-hmm. when, when you have this woman and she's like, she's like, ah, you know, like I, I need a doctor or whatever, and then you just hear, I'm a doctor, and I, I hear that, and I'm just like, no way. And then he's like, but probably not the one you were expecting. He's like, ah, like I just screamed. Um, and then, like, was in like just just shock for the rest of the of the special, like so that I had to immediately watch it again. And then I am, and then right after I watched it the second time, I text uh, I texted Matt the 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 link or telling him I basically said, when you wake up, do not do anything until you watch this because I was already seeing headlines across the internet saying, "Oh, the return of the Eighth Doctor," like spoiling the the what the concept of the Night of the Doctor was in the headlines. So I was like, I was like, "Oh my God, Matt, do not get on Twitter. Don't do anything. Just watch this first. Um, <laughs> and, and hopefully, thankfully, you did. Um, oh, I did. Yeah, good. I took I took it on faith. Like you say, watch this, but like with such urgency. And I think I, for some reason, I f- thought it was going to be Night of the Doctor because Night of the Doctor was supposed to show up. I thought it was something like this, but I did not expect this. Um, yes, to the I'm point. So glad that you listened to me because I was afraid that you would just be like, you would just be like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it, like, and just that kind of thing. Yeah. Because you know when people are saying like, you have to watch this. Generally, people are a little over the top with stuff like that. Yeah, and, and it, so I was trying to sell it hard, but hopefully, I was, like, I was like, oh, I hope he pay. I hope he's like, like he's not like, okay, I'll watch it, but I'll check Twitter first. <laughs> because I was like, that would ruin everything. Yeah, no. Um, some somehow I completely missed everything. Like I missed everything until like until I got before I got your text, and that was like one thing. I was like, all right, let me check my text messages, and then before I go online, I will do the thing because it seems urgent. Um, yes. And like you, it was the sort of thing where I, the first time I barely was able to process anything just because I was like, uh-huh. this is this is messed up right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and it's like it was just it was completely completely nuts. I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was watching the whole time. Um, it was just like, wow, that he needs to come back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was just like I was like, oh my god, we're watching the Eighth Doctor. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's yeah. it was just insane. Yeah, um, because that is not something I ever thought I would see again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And then on top of everything, like on top of everything else, he's on Karn, which is the reason why we're doing we we did Brain of Morbius. He's on Karn, the Sisterhood of of the Eternal Flame. Um, they're, they're there, they're part of it. The elixir is part of it. All of these like brain of Morbius things are all part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to top it all off and that's all awesome enough. Plus he has like the old, the old sonic screwdriver, which is great. Just like all of this, just this callback stuff. It's just so great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of everything, right before he drinks the elixir to regenerate, he, 
says he like audibly says goodbye to all of his companions, all of which are big finish companions, <laughs> making all of the eighth doctor big finish stories with at least with those companions, which are arguably the most important ones, canon. Yep. They're yep. canon now. <laughs> they they are in continuity, which means if you haven't listened to them, you're missing out on canon Doctor Who. Canon. <laughs> There, now you have no excuse not to listen to them. And yeah. they're, they're fantastic. Like, the majority of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, oh my god, you should listen. Um, <laughs> like, I couldn't, he was just like Charlie, and I was like, what, 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 what? And then he <laughs> says Lucy, and I'm like, what? And then he says Molly, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. The best part is, I completely glossed over the part where he said Kara's the first time, because who cares? Um... <laughs> Yeah, well, but I, I've never. I don't think I've heard anything with Karis. You, you have. He's just not oh. good. Um, oh, okay. uh, he was he was the companion who joined up with um, Charlie and the Eighth Doctor when they're in the Divergent Universe. Stupid character, bad. Um, but I heard. Oh, Tan- see, I skipped over most of that, so yeah. I yeah. probably just ignored him. Yeah, but they they said Tamsin too, and I was like, wow, they went for Tamsin Drew. Like that is that Which is. one's Tamsin? Tamsin is. Uh, without spoiling what happens to her, she's in the fourth season of Eighth Doctor Adventures after the Doctor is basically, after Lucy says, I need a break. Um, she's the one oh, who... Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And plays an important role as the s- season goes on and yes. is, becomes the companion to another Time Lord. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, so she's in there too, which is just completely insane. Um oh, and I can't Lucy Miller stuff is so good and I forget how good it is. Yeah, it's and really then you good. always remind me, you pull out like some detail about it, and I'm just like, Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh my god. Yeah. So good. So uh I was just I was just flabbergasted and then you get to the end and you're just like, Man, Uh, it's crazy the thing that i realized watching this is one of the things that i feel like is lost in probably the discussion um is looking at paul mcgann it's weird seeing him as a doctor because all you've had is the movie which rubbish and then you have this which is just about six and a half minutes of trying to get an idea of him his doctor is not like any doctor that's ever been on TV. Just the way that he carries himself and the way that he like brings himself to the role, this this anger, this brooding, is not like anything I've ever seen. There's a harshness to him. And this is him at the end of his life, him trying to stay out of the time war, him after <laughs> all of the things that happened to Charlie, Lucy, Tamsin, and Molly, which we don't even know what happens to Molly at this point. Um, but looking at it, like I'm flabbergasted with it's one thing to listen to him on audio, but there's another thing to see him carrying himself and how he acts and how he's not like any doctor. And the fact that we don't have any more of him is a crime. It's a it's a loss to the nar- the overall narrative of Doctor Who. Um and I heard somebody suggest um that they would be uh it would be great if they wanted to do if they want to do a doctor who uh spin-off to do a spin-off with Paul McGann and just have a, a another doctor who series mm-hmm. um and it would be like this really like cool way to do a spin-off without really doing a spin-off mm-hmm. um which i find a fascinating idea yeah i and i'm totally in for that because i really I really don't care about bringing anyone back except for Paul McGann just because I want to – I want to – like, I just want a real season with him. Like, even if it was just one season, just to kind mm-hmm. of push him and see what you could do with him I think would be – Like a mini series. Yeah. Like, yeah, fascinating. And it would be so cool and it would be the sort of thing where it's like, you know, Paul McGann is just the forgotten doctor. No one has seen the movie and those who have just, like, kind of don't think he's super duper great. Um but, like, giving him a season on TV where he has the shorter hair, where he's not, like, so, like, pompously we're H.G. Wells as the movie is, like he has here, where the the short hair is shocking and new, but vastly superior to the horrid wig he has in that movie. Um, yeah. It's just great to see. Like, it's great to look at, and it's great to just see this guy be this character who I 
know intimately. Um, and I just, oh my god, he's so good. Like, he's so good. And I keep just rewatching it just because it's the one thing of his that I have that I feel like rewatching. Yeah. Because <laughs> in order to rewatch the other thing, you have to deal with a lot of garbage. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Some, some yeah, of which no, is, I, I'll come in from him. <laughs> it's just not like his, it's not his yeah. problem. It's just the words in his mouth are just like, ooh, not yeah. good. Doc, who am I? <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I would love to see just like, like a six episode miniseries from him, um, about like the, the, the beginning of the time war. Yeah. Like just, just like that story I think could be really great because we're obviously right in the middle of it here. Yes. Um, in this regeneration and then, and then the war doctor is going to come in and end it. Yeah. Um, Although it's apparently going to take a while because they decided to use archive footage. Yeah, Young um, Hurt. <laughs> yeah, Young Hurt. That was weird. Um, that was weird. Actually, the end of this, not the strongest thing. No, not um, the strongest. Yeah, it just sort of stops in this really awkward place mm-hmm. off of a reflection of archive footage. It's weird. Um, <laughs> not the best. But everything else is so good that it doesn't matter. Um, but – yeah, no, I would love to see just like a six episode miniseries. And I think that, that people would be really interested in like where did the war come from and how did we – how did we – how did the doctor leave it? You know, Because you know he got called mm-hmm. back um, out of his control and then you know he had to turn them down, which mean, which probably meant turning down Romana who was president at the time because, hey – uh, it's in continuity now, um, <laughs> because because Neverland is in continuity in which yes. she's president. Yes, um, so she's probably president of Gallifrey, and he had to turn her down and abandon Gallifrey and his people. Um, I mean, we're looking at uh, he's this is this is a guy who um, what do you call soldiers who live leave a war? What are those uh, deserters? Deserters. We're looking at a deserter. Yeah, yeah. That, and- that's who this guy is. He is a deserter. I want to see that story. Yeah, and it, and it's a story that's great to tell because looking at like just like I think because so much of it, so much of like the discussion of this story has been on like Karn, but there's so much texture woven into the beginning where she just like where she's just like you're responsible for the time war. I don't trust Tardises. I don't trust Time Lords. Like all of that is such an interesting like galactic dynamic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I find that infinitely fascinating in a way that i hadn't really considered and i mean i'm not totally sold on time war in general um just because i i i I like it in my head more than i like it in 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 actuality and it'd have to be ridiculously impressive to you know get me to be on board but i like seeing there's just the teases of this here and maybe that's going to be totally different in like come saturday um but I find I find that all of this is just in, tremendously engaging, even though so much of it is exposition. Um, so much of it is like, uh, here's who I am and here's what's going on and, and all of this. And very, very, very dense six and a half minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that, I mean, I find all that, I found all that very, very interesting and just great. Um, just so... Especially considering it's only three scenes. Yeah. Um, it took them like two i think they shot, shot it in two days or something at the very end of day of the doctor like they they were wrapping on day of the doctor and it was the last days of shooting so like this is a thing that they had actually been planning um and uh i don't know i just look at this and i just go they managed to keep that paul mcgann was coming back under wraps for months who knows what's coming on saturday i'm just saying yeah who knows yeah could be more paul mcgann could be other could things be. Could be. Oh, oh my god, I cannot wait. Um, cannot wait. Uh, so, so, uh, the, um, I, man, do you, I don't know. Do you think, do you think there's going to be more of a connection to Karn in Day of the Doctor? Um, I don't, I doubt it. Um, I don't, I don't you think, think so. Just because it? it seems like the sort of thing that, uh, looking at how Moffat is treating these Mobisodes or whatever he wants to call them, these minisodes, he always kind of just introduces an element and then never in, in te- integrates them into like the later stories. Um, mm-hmm. This just feels like a sort of thing where 
Moffat loves the brain of Morbius because it's the brain of Morbius and brain of Morbius just becomes like this. It's this focal point, not just now, but like this is a sequel to that story or a companion piece to that story where it's like, it's the doctors are into Karn, not counting when he shows up again for sisters of the flame and vengeance of the Morbius. But it's, you know, it's the return of, it's the return of Karn. And I think that that works in this story. I don't know if it works later because what's important about this story is that the war doctor rises. I don't know if it's the sort of thing that will come back later. Um, it'd be interesting. I would definitely be interested to see if it, how it works out. And I mean, who knows? Cause so much of that new, story is completely under wraps. Um, but I, maybe, I mean, my answer is maybe I, I doubt it, but maybe I wouldn't mind for sure. But who knows? What do you think? Do you think, do you think maybe, I don't know. I, I, it almost seems weird to be bringing up this stuff kind of out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, unless there's some sort of context to it in day of the doctor. Yeah. Um, it just it's it's too specific to me. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. Um, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Um, but I uh, I don't know. I almost wonder if um, if uh, Morbius is an end day of the Doctor. Oh, that'd be great. Pull out the old costume um, and dust it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or oh, that'd be awesome. Or well, well, or that, or 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 something a little more. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I just just the the weird idea that like I and this is just this is just something that I like just thought of. Um, but like just the idea of like what if um, what if like the war doctor is Morbius. Um, <laughs> in some weird oh, way, that'd be nuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just some weird. Just like just it's weird. Mm. Um, but I it's I don't know. I am I'm fascinated to see because it's like okay, so Day of the Doctor. Like we have we have time war stuff that we're dealing with. We have the War Doctor we're dealing with. We have we have Daleks. We have Gallifrey. We have uh, the whatchamacallits, um, uh, what are they called? The, uh, shapeshifters. Uh, Zygons. Zygons. We got Zygons. And then we got who knows what else. Cause the only stuff that they announced was stuff that they knew would get leaked because they had to shoot it on location somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that's on a set is still like locked up tight. Yeah. I mean, and the only reason they put Daleks in was because they needed to release a trailer. Like that was mm-hmm. not known until they did the Comic Con trailer last this past year, where right. that no one knew Daleks were in this thing. No one. And yeah. then, boom! Here it is. You know. Yeah. It's Ugh, crazy. It's gonna be nuts. Um, <laughs> I legitimately can't wait. I know. I know. I, just, I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited for Saturday. Like I'm. So I have this like, weird feeling that it's gonna be like. Um, uh, excuse the comparison, but it's going to be like the Simpsons movie. <laughs> if that makes sense in that the Simpsons sucked for a long time. And then for some reason, the Simpsons movie was really good. <laughs> almost as if they'd been saving up all of their jokes for yeah. this movie. And I almost wonder if we're not going to get something similar with day of the doctor where it's just like, that was real. Where has that been? Yeah. Where where Moffat's like, yeah, I've been holding back or like just like mm-hmm. – Or he's been taking all this time off mm-hmm. just to work on this because he knew yeah. he wanted to get it right. Because we, we've talked about Moffat as a guy who needs a lot of time to construct a narrative that works on the level that his mm-hmm. stories used to work on, um, which is why he only ever did yeah. one story a year. And when he became showrunner, it sort of became a law of diminishing yeah. returns with his stories. Um, and so I almost wonder if, like, maybe that's why he took that break and why he's mm-hmm. been writing less and less is because he knew this was coming and he's been working yeah. on it this been long. Because he, he had to have known when he got the show that he was getting the 50th. Like, he had to know that that was a thing that was close enough that he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to wait this out where I'm going to I'm going to get this. So, like. I'm just, I'm fascinated to see where it goes. I'm fascinated to see what he does with it. And I can't wait. I just can't. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, so so that's uh, that's today's episode. Um, tomorrow we're going to be talking about the third Doctor and Spearhead from Space, uh, continuing our countdown of uh, of Doctors. Um, but uh, whew, we are ready for Day of the Doctor. I'll tell you what, uh, we are ready. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you can't get enough of, enough of us between today and tomorrow, um, you should uh, listen to our other podcast, The Mind, Robber Ver- Mind, Mind Robbers Versus, uh, where we're covering Justice League Unlimited, soon to be Veronica Mars, also Thor The Dark World, and The Hunger Games Catching Fire. And then there's The Mind Robbers, our flagship podcast that has uh, recently switched to a bi-weekly schedule, um, but an episode was just released on Sunday. So uh, go listen to that, hear what our thoughts are on uh, About Time, the Richard Curtis film, and then uh, Before Midnight and the whole Before trilogy with um, uh, from Richard Linklater. Um, so, uh, so yeah, check those out, and then you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, Scott Commentary, where I live-tweet things from time to time, uh, but probably not anytime soon. Matt? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungan, and also my alternative Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD Commentary, where I can uh, live-tweet things. Uh, we'll not be doing it anytime soon, like Scott said, because uh, busy, busy, busy. Um, you can also find me at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where you can find my entry on Brain of Morbius, which is one that I was kind of looking over before we did this, and I was really, really impressed with myself, or pleased with myself, I suppose. Um, the last fourth Doctor story I did, so, woo! Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right, that's it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with uh, John Pertwee and Spearhead from Space. Bye! Bye, guys. Bye.